You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Well, good morning or good afternoon, whatever the case may be here on this glorious Sunday morning. You're here with Dr. Jeff Werber, your host for the next 30 minutes on Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff here on Pet Life Radio. Uh, once again, here at the North American Veterinary Conference here in Orlando, Florida, live. And sitting with me is a guest we had on just a couple of weeks ago, Dr. Danny McBeady, also here attending the conference. And uh, once again, we're here because of you, for you. We want to answer your questions. We want to help you along with any pet issues, pet problems you may be having. We're here because of our, with the help of our sponsors, which are ProSense Pet Products. And of course, Kong, as a matter of fact, if you or anyone you know listening or might listening or might be interested in some information about their pets, if you call in, if you join us here live, we will send you out a free ProSense product and a Kong toy just for getting the cuts, the courage to give us a call. Easy to do, 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. Or you can just join us at PetLifeRadio.com, click on the Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff tab, and you'll see a big, long box that says Join In on the Conversation. And just all you have to do is click and join in. We will see you typing away, and you can get a hold of us that way. And finally, you can just send us an email to Dr. Jeff at PetLifeRadio.com. So uh, last week, we started talking about eyes. Having finished a lot of the endocrine issues, we wanted to start to get into some different organ systems that seem to present problems. But about a few weeks before that, we were talking about Lap of Love and Dr. Danny McBeady's company, which is Home Euthanasia. Just talking about the process of euthanasia. And interestingly, this week, I had a very interesting case. And I actually got a call from an officer of the Department of Animal Regulation in Los Angeles because he received a complaint, interestingly, from another veterinarian, which I, I thought surprised me a lot. The complaint was that they had this woman doctor, this veterinarian, had seen a dog that she had been treating with rehab, rehabilitation, and they noticed a, a sore, an open wound on the dog. What was interesting is this dog was 15-year-old, a Dalmatian. That was truly wasting away. No doubt about it. It was a dying dog. And this particular client just really refused to have their pet euthanized. And we're going to talk about that with Danny in a minute. But they literally talk about hospice. And that's another thing that we need to talk about because this is an up and coming field in veterinary medicine. And we want you to know about it. They were doing hospice to the best degree. They had hired a nurse to be with the dog all day. They were hand feeding. They were getting the dog up and walking it outside, was eating like crazy, normal stool. It was just wasting away because of age, I'm sure cancer somewhere, maybe severe heart disease somewhere, but we're doing everything in their power as a veterinarian would want to, and by the way, the owner, one of the owners was a physician, to alleviate suffering and pain, which with the medications it was on, they were doing a great job. So the dog finally passed, interestingly, two days later after I got the call. I spoke to the officer for the Department of Animal Regulation, told him what was going on, my involvement, what they were doing, what we were doing, and he was cool. He just wanted me to check in with him every two weeks. So with that intro, first of all, any of you who want to know more, when do people elect for hospice? Why do pet parents elect for hospice? And to talk more about it, Danny, let's talk about hospice for a second. We talked a lot about euthanasia. Yep. What about yep. hospice? It is not about extending suffering. That's not the point of it. But 
the point is to actually provide palliative care. And palliative is our medical word for comfort-oriented, not curative, right? So we're not trying to cure the condition anymore. We're not trying to cure old age. I know we, one of our talks is, uh, this seminar is old age is not a disease, but it sure is a killer, right? So our pets don't die. You know, the old age isn't a disease, but yeah, it's going to eventually kind of take their life, just like, you know, for a lot of us, it'll be the same too. So veterinary hospice is much different from human hospice, as is veterinary oncology and everything else, but it's, it's geared towards managing the symptoms such that the symptoms don't cause a decrease in quality of life. We want to maintain quality of life for as long as possible in as great as detail as possible, such that the human-animal bond is also maintained. And that pet gets to stay with the family, family is loving up on them, they have that time with them, and they can come to the decision, if they come to the decision, right, if euthanasia is elected or a natural death occurs. Now, you know, given the fact that most of us who practice know when it's time, why, from your experience, why the main reasons for people to elect for hospice instead of euthanasia? It's funny, Jeff, you've obviously been practicing for much longer than I have, and you've been doing hospice. Well, you've been doing hospice for years. You know, right. we veterinarians, we have been doing, we just haven't called it hospice care. Right. And that's the neat thing about it, about it coming, because us humans have more and more experience with human hospice. Now we're asking for that for our, our, our pet animals, our pet family members also. So now we're going to call it a hospice. And what that does, I, I, when I did emergency medicine, when I would say the word hospice to the families, you saw the relief on their face. They got it. You know, they got that we're not curing anymore. I'm not the doctor saying, there's nothing more I can do. Go home, call me when you're ready to euthanize. No, I mean, that's like, I've just completely left them on their own at the most important and stressful moments of their life with their pets. So instead of saying, go home, call me when you're ready, there's nothing more I can do. There's one more thing we can do. It's called hospice care. And we're going to manage the symptoms. You know, I'm not going to manage the disease per se, but the actual symptoms that are causing the quality of life to be decreased Mm -hmm. and taking those symptoms and, and making sure that that human animal bond stays there. Now, one of the, um, the probably the most common, and Danny made a really good point, that many practicing veterinarians have been doing this for years, just not calling it that. But here's, here's the classic scenario. Dog is diagnosed with something really terminal. There's no doubt in the owner's mind that it's time. But they have a child, for example, who might be away at college, who grew up with this pet, and it was extremely bonded, extremely attached. So they asked, well, doc, we definitely, we, we agree that it's time that our son or our daughter is coming home to say goodbye to the pet. Is there anything we can do over the next, you know, couple of days? And there are a lot of things that we can do. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk yep. about some of those. So we do, I mean, almost anything you can, almost anything you can do in the clinic, we can do in the home. Mm-hmm. You know, particularly under, under the hospice realm. So again, we're not trying to cure this pet. But let's say we even have fluid on the lungs. I've done, you know, thoracocentesis in mm-hmm. the home. Right. You can stick a needle in there and you can pull up the fluid. Now all of a sudden that pet can breathe better. Oxygen in the home. Pulling fluid off the abdomen if that's causing pain and discomfort in the abdomen. Obviously, what's the, the number one thing that someone is going to ask you towards end of life? What do they want to say well, about that? they want the pain and discomfort. Yeah, exactly. Want, so. The number one thing they're going to say is, I just don't want him to suffer. Right. So we talk about what the definition of suffering is. And my definition is the inability to think or do anything other than address the pain that you're in. So let's say, let's, okay, suffering is not a sustained time. And it can, they can ebb and flow with the suffering. Obviously, that can happen. But pain management is number one. Mm-hmm. The number one thing we do. And right. I use pain management at a much higher level than we do under normal circumstances. Sure, because, I mean, typically a lot of the pain medications we use cause a lot of sedation. And who cares? Right. You know, our goal here is provide comfort. Minimize any kind of suffering. When we take that veterinarian's oath, it is to minimize, to prevent animal suffering. To, to relieve and, and prevent. Right, right animal suffering. Yep, suffering. Yep. So that's yep. the difference. When you're dealing with a young veterinarian, they remember those old by, word for word by heart. <laughs> 
for the old guys, we just conceptually know exactly what we're supposed to do, but may not remember all the names. <laughs> I but, remember the words. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So pain management is the number one thing that we do. That's the number one symptom. Right. You know, and, mm -hmm. and we there's pain, hunger, hydration, happiness, mm -hmm. you know, and mobility. Those right. are the five most common symptoms that we want to, to, to address. I go, pain, I go and I talk to families about pain medicine. And every pain medicine is different. You have to talk to your veterinarian about what exactly your pet's on. But there are a certain class of them that I tell families it's like a glass of wine. Sometimes you need one glass of wine. Sometimes you need two or three or four glasses of wine. So whatever we need to give them to help them get through the night. Now, if we're doing five glasses of wine for three <laughs> nights in a row, we have a quality of life issue, right? right? So that's completely different. But we're managing pain. It is not a one-size-fits-all. Correct. Not Absolutely not. There are some medications that is. You give this. Don't stop giving this. But this other medication we can use when and how it's needed. Right. Yeah. But also what I find very interesting is my mom passed three years ago. And for the, her last several weeks, she was on hospice. And it was so interesting how little her physicians knew about the differences in hospice care versus medical care. It's totally different. And absolutely. It really is. And, and in talking to the hospice doctor, an MD who specializes in this, there were so many things that were different in the case, for example, perfect example. You have a person who is a little dehydrated and has certain organ dysfunctions and breakdowns. Well, in clinical practice, general typical clinical practice, one of the most important things we can do for this patient is hydration via IV fluids. But the rate, as, as systems are breaking down, sometimes the worst thing you can do for them is overhydrate them. So what was good when they were healthy and, and healing or it was just an organ disease or an organ dysfunction now can become deadly. Those kidneys are starting to fail. The lungs are starting to fail. The lungs are going to be filling up with all that excess fluid. And it's a much different rate when you're dealing with a hospice patient than with a, a normal. Well, patient. you're you're not treating a normal body anymore. Right. That body, and I tell people all the time, I'm like, listen, we're providing hospice euthanasia. Like, uh, this is not a normal a situation, or else we wouldn't be doing this in the first place. Right. Yeah, and anything that you can do can cause more harm. Mm -hmm. And you have to know exactly what you're doing, why you're doing it, what you're using it for, and yeah, it's it's completely different. And I think that also a lot. Of, for example, I think that the mindset has to change within our industry, within veterinarians, within your veterinarians, if you're out there listening, that it's okay. And, and I was not so much shocked that I got the call from the Department of Animal Regulation. What did shock me is the veterinarian who called on this dog to complain without first researching a little bit, mm -hmm. finding out what they're doing, why they're doing it, what are your reasons, who can, can a veterinarian make a decision for their client about what the client needs or should do with their pet. It's ultimately no. the best we can do right. as providers of care is to equip our clients with as much information as we can, but ultimately the decision is theirs. We advocate for the pet right. and we partner with the family. Right, well, that's right. Great. Mm -hmm. Advocate for the pet and partner with the family because in the end, that pet really does, in the eyes of the law, belong to the family. Absolutely. So all we can do is be there to say this is what's best via our knowledge, our experience, all this stuff is best. And it's funny, you know, we're talking about hospice care. There's also on the other end, you know, treating, there's a lot of medications that I take patients off of. Mm -hmm. We don't need antibiotics anymore, right? Because right. you're completely killing their normal gut flora. Right. Take them off antibiotics, redo their heart or lung medications or, um, I mean, there's a lot of medications that I can take them off. Even human medicine, human hospice, when they go into hospice mm -hmm. care, they will actually say, would you like us to take you off these medications? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, especially some heart medications, not all of them, but some heart medications, cardiac meds, they take them off and the patients get better. Really? They get better for a certain period of time. But then what happens at the end of that period? 
they crash mm-hmm. very hard, which again is, if you ask me, that's kind of how I would like to go, right? right? right. I want to get better, better, better. And then when that I go down, I want fast. it to go fast and good and, you know, and it's fine. So we forget that there are a lot of side effects on these medications that we use. Right. And a lot of them are for curative reasons. They're not for comfort reasons at that moment, like comfort now. Right. We are at that halfway point. Well, I want to hear from you. I want to hear of any of you. And as I mentioned, if you've been listening the last couple of weeks, I've had a miserable last month and a half with two of my cats. And unfortunately, sadly, I have a, a third one coming up. The, the good news of having all these animals is, boy, I had a, a full house of fun and fur. The bad news is when they're, a lot of them are old at the same time, they seem to go a lot, you know, pretty, pretty close to each other. And it's really tough. I want to hear from you about any questions you might have for me or Dr. Danny about euthanasia. When's the right time? What signs to look for? Uh, when we come back from our break, we're going to share our own feelings about that, but we'd love to hear from you. Once again, 877-385-8882. Just pick up the phone or log on to PetLifeRadio.com and join us live here on the show. Don't go away. We'll be right back. We'll be right back right after these messages. Stay tuned. I'm home. My hair looks cute. Now what? Bringing home a puppy or new dog is exciting, and he is depending on you to keep him in good health. Dogs need special care to keep them healthy as they grow throughout their entire life. Caring for their health is critical in all stages. With ProSense, it's simple and convenient to give your dog the care it needs with effective and quality products that treat, prevent, and provide essential daily vitamins and minerals. ProSense products are veterinary formulated and recommended to ensure the very best for your pet. Try ProSense today. Your dog will thank you for it. Pets love life. Love them back with ProSense. There's nothing more delicious and healthy than an old family recipe. And for over 50 years, our family's been creating them especially for your pets. Nutrisource Super Premium Pet Foods. Dog and cat food that's all natural, holistic, and organic. Nutrisource Pet Foods contain our patented Good for Life system for your pet's optimum health and well-being. So order now. Safe quality food made by our family for your furry family members. Go to NutrisourcePetFoods.com. From our family to yours, Family Brands. Hi, I'm Dana Humphrey, also known as the Pet Lady. I travel from coast to coast to pet trade shows and consumer events to scout out what the hottest, hippest and most unique pet products are on the planet, bringing you tips and tricks from top veterinarians, groomers, trainers on how to safely travel and live happily with your pets. The Pet Lady will be in a city near you, showing off the latest and greatest tech pet gadgets, cozy comforts, and fab gift ideas for man's and woman's best friends. You can learn more at thepetlady.net or connect socially and tweet with me at Pet Lady World. Having a rough day? Longing for the dog days of summer? Think your fun furry friend lives a dog's life? Well, find out everything you're begging to know as Pet Life Radio presents It's a Doggy Dog World with pet expert and award-winning author Liz Palaika, Kate Abbott, and Petra Burke. Every dog has his day, and you'll find out how to make your dog's day fun and rewarding every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. 
Welcome back. We're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, your host here on Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff here on Pet Life Radio. And along with me is uh, my guest, Dr. Danny McBeady. He's been on a few weeks ago. And we are here live from the North American Veterinary Conference in Orlando, Florida. And it's a good conference, isn't it? It is. It's actually the largest veterinary conference in the world. Isn't that crazy? I mean, there are so many people here. It's unreal. And I hear that they're actually going to be moving this conference in a couple of years. Very sad. Yeah, because uh, I kind of like it here. But it is, I know. Yeah, we used to be here at the, the Marriott World Center for years. And I've been coming to this conference for almost 30. And um, then, because it grew so much, there was another hotel called the Gaylord. And they kind of split it. And their buses, shuttle buses going back and forth. And so we have a lot of the scientific sessions at the Gaylord, a lot of the business and technician sessions here at the Marriott. And it's just a packed house. Well, it's gotten so big. And they've had to have two exhibit halls, which is really difficult for a lot of the exhibitors because people that are going to more of one session than another may not make it over to an exhibit hall. So we're moving to the Orlando Convention Center. Oh, my. Oh, my. Which, you know, I I get it. Yeah. Because from a exhibitor standpoint, session standpoint, rooms, it's going to be great. However, the hotel situation, there are not two hotels that can fit all of us. The hotel situation is going to be different. We're all going to be spread out all over the place. So it's going to make a difference. One thing about this conference, it, it, despite its size, it's always very homey. And yeah, we, when a lot of us, medicine is, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. So anyway, we're here. Before the break, we were talking about, obviously, hospice, some of the differences in care, some of the reasons why. And I, as I said, one of the number one reason that I was providing hospice care over the years was not that the client did not want to or know they needed to ultimately say goodbye. It was a matter of timing. They needed just a little more time. They wanted an extra day or two. They wanted an extra week, whatever it was. That's from a GP, a general practitioner standpoint. What else? What are some of the other reasons why people want hospice instead of euthanasia? You know, and sometimes they're just not ready, right? I mean, we hear that all the time. And they, whether or not they're saying that they're not ready, if they're able to actually do a self-introspection to say they're not ready, or they say it as my dog's not ready yet, as in I don't see that from them yet. And so for whatever reason, gosh, there's more, even even hospice kind of that is going to be extended or even shortened also, people are going out of town. I think we talked about this last time. If you're going out of town, your pet's going to be in a lot of stress when you're leaving. And it's okay to say, how are we going to make this decision before or after? Or you know, how is that going to affect the choice? But we do a lot of hospice for waiting for people to get home mm-hmm. a lot of times. Right. You know, mom, dad, brother, sister, son, daughter, they're getting in from out of town. And can we just get an oxygen mask on them for 12 to 24, 48 hours just until we can get them them through so that you know this family member can say goodbye and i think that that's a completely heroic reason you know Mm -hmm. to do that there's absolutely nothing wrong with that i'm a doctor right i can manage the medicine right i got the medicine right so let's manage this as good as we can until the family's ready you know i often also will i can tell a lot of clients and, and we tend to do this and it's not always bad by the way um in fact because of this particular trait we call anthropomorphizing where we put our own values in the animal. We often tell people, don't anthropomorphize. Don't just because you feel that way, don't project that onto your pet and think your pet's going to feel that way too. But now that we're learning so much about pets' emotions and interesting, a brand new field that is sort of going to be hitting the, the internet, you'll be hearing more about it. We're going to be talking about it in the future on our show here, is fear and anxiety and how it affects pets. And we are looking now more towards their emotional well-being not physical well-being, but actually emotional well-being because of our anthropomorphizing yeah. and realizing, wait a second, there's something there. We don't understand them because they can't communicate with us. They can't use their words. So now we're learning to read their cues 
and it's so interesting. They don't communicate with us in English. Right. They communicate with in, us in, in text, canine right, or language, feline. Right? Exactly. And, and I tell people, I'm like, you can't expect your pet to grieve like a human grieves. Your pet, you know, a dog's going to grieve a dog grieve. Grieve, right. You know, a dog's going to feel sad, a dog's sad. It's mm -hmm. not a human sad, it's a dog's sad. And still sad, right? right. But yeah, and, and um, you are literally a pediatrician, right? right. Veterinarians, we are a pediatrician. Right. right, And your kids do not. I hated going to the pediatrician's right. office. I hated it. Even now, I hate taking my kids. You know, it's yeah. more stressful for me. Right, right. Well, I mean, I interpret it as, but of course, I'm so scared for them because I know what that feels like. Right. So, yeah. But oftentimes, I find myself saying to a client that we get to a point in care, uh, especially towards the end of life. And I, I'll say to the client, understand, and I understand that I'm treating you, not the pet, that a lot of times clients aren't ready. They know it's inevitable. They know it's coming soon, but they're just not ready. That was literally my very first hospice case I ever had. Yeah. Very, very, very first one. I had just started Lap of Love, and I went and we did it. It was a cat in renal failure. Her name was Allie. And it was a male cat. But it was Allie cat, which okay. is where she got right. Allie from. And, and at the end, I did a couple of hospice appointments, and then I went to the euthanasia. And she was funny. She actually, she stood there. She goes, okay, I'm not saying this for real, but I'm just going to say it just to practice. Okay, I'm ready. Mm -hmm. She would practice saying yeah. that. Okay, I'm ready. And then at, after the euthanasia, she said, Danny, you know, you not only treated my pet, you treated me too. Mm -hmm. But it is. There's so much of that that goes on. Right. You know, there are a number of states now, I think five or six, that actually allow for what we, we call assisted suicide. And in animals, we've had this luxury, this gift to be able to provide euthanasia, which is a pain-free way to say goodbye. And so we're learning as well from a lot of our states are learning. And it would have been so great to have had more choices for people. Yeah, and that's absolutely. A, but one of the things that we are able to do is to provide that care, right. okay? And yet, there are still people that don't want it, and I think it's for their own philosophical reasons. I think, interestingly, the case that I just had. For human reasons, you mean? For yeah, humans? No, right. for people, for animals, too. They just don't believe. Oh, right, yeah, absolutely. And that was another reason. Asia, right. They just don't believe it, that it's up to us to play God and to make that decision. For the same reason that many cultures Yep. We will not allow it in people right. Right. because it's the natural way. What this family wanted was their dog to pass the natural way. Right? But what does that mean? This but them. a Dalmatian isn't natural, know, right? Know, like right. you want to say like your Yorkie isn't natural, your bulldog isn't natural. Right. Nature right. is a lion coming and getting when they're right. not contributing to the pack anymore. Right. I love people. Like I want him to die, to die naturally. I want him to go to sleep and not wake back up. Okay, go to sleep and not wake back up. That's what I do. I guarantee that with euthanasia. Right. But if you want your pet to die naturally, that's <clears> not what we're doing. Food and water, they're every whim, bring it up through the nose, right. you know, the wounds cared for and everything. That's, that's not, not natural. natural. I know, right? I know. You know. But they feel so they wanted to, when that heart finally stopped, when they finally took that last breath, it was not them right. that caused it. There's a certain guilt that people have. I know. What, what do they say all the time Like when we're, when we're in euthanasia? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm like, no, don't say you're sorry. Right. It's okay. But as veterinarians, you know, that's what we have to get over also. Right. We are the ones pushing that plunger. I say, I'm not going to do this unless I also believe in what we are doing. Not what you're doing, family. Mm -hmm. You're not doing it. We are doing it together. You know the pet from that. I know the pet from the medical person. Together, we're making that choice, and then we're, gonna, we're going forward. You know, it was an interesting point that I made with the officer that called me. I said, you know, I had a case early on in my career. It haunts me to this day. It's been over 30 years. And it was a, a situation where a lady came in with a dog. It was a seven-year-old, pretty healthy, minor problem, problems, but a pretty healthy Cocker Spaniel. And she wanted to put it to sleep. And I was not ready. I didn't think this dog needed to be put to sleep. But I tried everything I could to not let her do it. And I 
did it anyway because she wanted to be there and she insisted on being there. Now I am much more bold and comfortable in my own skin. I'd say, no, no, no. If you want this dog, you have to go someplace else. So I said to the officer, I said, do I, as a veterinarian, can I dictate? Can the owner, who owns that pet? That owner dictated to me. She wanted to have that pet put to sleep for whatever her reasons were. I disagreed with them. She had reasoning, but I disagreed, but whatever. I said, I can't. They can't. It's their choice. So reverse it now. And but it's her choice to ask for it, but you don't have right, to. Right, absolutely, right? absolutely. So with this family, I said, we on the other side can recommend it until we're blue in the face. Right, right. But it's ultimately their choice absolutely. as long as they were taking the necessary attempts and practices to relieve that suffering, which they clearly were. So you know, when I talked to this um, officer, I even said, you understand, I'm on your side. I would bet 99%, 99.9% of veterinary care professionals on the planet would be telling them it's time, yep. would be recommending it's time. Yep. But it's not our choice. It's their choice. So the best we can do and, and the best they're doing, and they know it. As I said, he was a physician. He knew it. It is everything he could do to prevent suffering. But it was, you know, it was almost like God's way that literally two days after that conversation and two days after the visit with the animal control and other veterinarian who made the complaint, she finally passed. Yeah. So, you know, amazing. It, it is amazing. So there was, allow me to tell another story. So I was doing emergency medicine. I was mm-hmm. working. And a woman came in with a 14-year-old cat that had diabetes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And she came in and she said, I need to have my cat euthanized. And this is emergency, so we have no relationship with them, right? This is the first time we've ever met them. And it was so incredible. The, the other veterinarian that was on with me refused to euthanize. The woman walked out. She ended up letting her cat out of the carrier and the cat ran across the street. Right. And, you know, something probably happened right. after that. But that's the ramifications of us not, right. you know, going and understanding what's going on with the pet. Right. And I think we do. That's our job is to work as best we can with these clients. The best we can do is educate them. It's like anything with a disease, treating a disease. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the more they know, the better decisions they can make. That's what we're here for. Right. So anyway, it is that time. It, uh, boy, it goes fast. So I want to thank, once again, Dr. Danny McPhee, our guest from Lap of Love Veterinary Care, Veterinary Hospice. And we will be here, well, I'll be here next week, same bat time, uh, here on Pet Life Radio at uh, noon Eastern at 9 Pacific and anything in between. Um, and have a great week. Once again, thanks to our sponsors, ProSense, and to Kong. And if you have any questions or comments about this, please go ahead, send me an email to drjeff at petliferadio.com, and we will read your email on our next show. And once again, we will send you out some cool gifts just for joining us here on the show or sending me the email. Have a great week. Be here next week. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.